Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Middle School GSA, your favorite LGBTQ plus leftist uh, cuckold podcast. I'm your host, Emmy Gloom, and my pronouns are she, her. And I'm Felonius Ferris, and my pronouns are they, them. Uh, how are you doing today? I'm all right. I went and voted and drove my friend to go vote. It was great. Fantastic. I love participating in democracy. It's my favorite part of living in this country. Woohoo! We didn't really acknowledge the new cover art last time. We didn't acknowledge any of the changes. Do you want to do you want to talk about this cover art real quick? I made my profile picture and I don't know. I don't have a lot of opinions about the new cover art. But I like it. I think it all looks really good. Yeah, me too. It's it's really good. It's all made by Felonius Ferris. And uh, I think it's better than the last cover art. No offense to our previous artist. But uh, yeah, I'm, I like the new the makeover that the show's gotten. I think it looks a lot better than it used to. And I'm more and more motivated to uphold a quality standard to this show. Whee! See, today we're talking about performative activism. Performative activism is really bad, guys. It's not something that I think is helpful or some people think performative activism is like a necessary evil for the sake of democracy i strongly disagree i think it's a terrible thing that we should put a lot of effort to avoid i completely agree i think all of us technically feed into a lot of performative activist habits we do a lot of things that lead to performative activism just being into politics in general we're all sort of responsible for creating an obligation to have opinions on things. And we all need to do a much better job of educating people instead of enforcing what we believe onto people. Because when you do that, you get a population of people that, sure, technically are behind good movements and ideas, but they don't possess the knowledge to actually advocate for these things properly or follow our ideals to their logical conclusions uh we end up as the left mm -hmm. just a demographic with a strange amalgamation of pseudo progressive values that actually amounts to nothing and just boring social media activism and yelling and shouting that doesn't actually change anything because we're all super distracted from reality yep yeah. Um, yep. I'm talking a lot about performative activism, but I don't even know how to explain what it is. Do you, do you want to explain what performative activism is to our audience? Yeah, sure. Um, I define it as people being more concerned with aesthetics than having real beliefs. Um, I think that a lot of people get into advocacy and social movements purely for the aesthetics of them because they want to present this idea of themselves to other people that's like, oh, this person is so so knowledgeable and has such strong opinions about things and wow, they're they're so cool. Uh I think we have we have this uh, a lot of mythos around activism and being an activist. And that's that's one of the many reasons why I don't support 
turning human beings into like godlike idols like MLK for instance um both because it's not realistic they were all human beings and because it makes people very concerned with the aesthetics of things yeah i think a performative activist is someone who like succumbs to an idea of being like they they succumb to the idea of presenting an image particularly on the left uh regarding wokeness they're concerned with being the most woke on every possible in every possible instance on every possible topic without actually understanding the principles of and i hate to say this but wokeness or progressivism i think a performative activist is someone who's more concerned with their image uh being at the top of a hierarchy or just being perceived as somebody like you said who's knowledgeable about a certain thing rather than actually uh you know facing the any consequences or actually going through the effort to learn what it is you're getting behind mm-hmm. and i you know how you always hear people say oh you'll get more conservative as you get older i think that's not a coincidence um I think it's an ongoing pattern of people who in their youth end up end up playing out these rebellious personas which sometimes involves activism in quotation marks um and I think as time goes on that's not something that's sustainable in the long run um so eventually they just kind of taper off of it they never really understood the activism in the first place these social issues that they were talking about in the first place they were only concerned with their aesthetics yeah i think a lot of people say i think a lot of people get conservative as they get older because performative a lot of people are who are performative activists who engage in that performative behavior uh are really engaging in social movements and ideas that are convenient to them even if they don't want to admit that and the older you get the more appealing conservatism is naturally uh particularly when conservatives are Mm -hmm. consistently marketing themselves as the people who want to go back to the good old days i mean if you want to get technical that's basically what conservatism is is the reversion the Mm -hmm. pressing rewind trying to go back uh I think mm-hmm. people naturally get more conservative as yeah. they get older. I don't think they get more right-winged as they get older. I don't think it's natural to become more individualistic as you get older or more, you know, free market <laughs> capitalism as you get older. I think as you get older, you just have a more like social you're you're socially confused, out of touch and want to, you know, or feel more comfortable in a previous state and want to go back. And I think that's why conservatism is so appealing to older folks i think i think conservatism is literally Mm -hmm. stems from being out of touch and wanting to go back at least conventional american conservatism we could talk about fucking isis Mm -hmm. and their brand of conservatism but like i'm talking (laughs) about you know everybody's conservative dad who's just out of touch and doesn't understand things and just kind of wishes things were like they used to be Mm-hmm. And that conservative dad, maybe he had a punk phase in the 80s, uh, because 
you know, you're an adolescent, you want to form your own identities, you rebel. Um, and that conservative dad would probably talk about anarchy and how great that was without really understanding any of it. And as he grew older, he didn't, he didn't start understanding things more. That, that remained the same. Um, it's just that he became less interested with upholding this facade of being, of being, um, well-informed, of having strong opinions, of being controversial. Yeah, I agree. I think that, that conservative dad didn't really change fundamentally. It's just more so which sort of wave he was riding throughout his life, which was convenient to him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that makes me so concerned for the future of our country because, you know, it's it's become somewhat of a Gen Z identity thing to be an activist, whatever that means. It means nothing, um, by the way. I'm considered an activist it, by yeah. like most people's definitions, and I'm not. I'm yeah. a fucking content creator. I make YouTube videos, and I tweet I make I make podcasts and I tweet. That's not activism at all, in my opinion. But technically, it is. Like mm-hmm. our our bar for what is and isn't activism has stooped so fucking low that I am like, uh, considered a well informed, like, uh, activist with some notoriety and credibility, which I think is fucking insane. Not that I don't think, not that I don't have any mm-hmm. confidence in my own ability to advocate for things, but because activism in my eyes is more about actual putting in actual work and actually just actually doing things that have an impact on the world rather than just having opinions um we're we're at a point where mm-hmm. taking a selfie at a protest or even literally just like reposting if you're against rape is considered activism Activism is having an opinion, mm-hmm. it's yelling, and that's just, in my opinion, while technically the word activism could be defined in such a way that includes that, uh, when I think of an activist, I wouldn't point towards social media bitching and moaning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm concerned that the exact same thing with the previous generations, where they went from, I mean, the punk rock movement happened 70s 80s 90s um and now a lot of those people are conservatives a lot of our old punk rock stars were are now conservatives um and i'm very very concerned that a lot of people who are i mean you you look you look at gen z and at from like surface level it looks like they're extremely progressive and it looks like they're way uh, taking things a few big steps further than people previously had but i'm very concerned that 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 is all superficial that they don't really understand anything that they're just reposting stuff without context um and never bothering to learn the context behind it and that They'll follow in the footsteps of their mothers and fathers and become less and less less and less interested with those aesthetics over time and 
revert into being conservatives. It's true. I think a lot of like modern progressive performative activism is also like literally rebellion from adulthood. Um, I think a lot of people yes. will like read like a fucking two pages of Lenin and like be like, yes, I don't want to get a job. So yes, like, like, you know, like I think a lot of people like my age don't want to get a fucking job yeah. or they don't want to like actually contribute to society. So they find these like internet spaces full of like tankies or just leftists or just Marxists in general that are like, Hey, you know, the, the, our labor is being exploited. The working class is the victim. And then they go like, yes, work bad and follow these steps to their conclusions. And it's, I don't know where I was going with that, but I think a lot of this just comes from like impulsive desires like falling down rabbit holes that are initially based on impulsive desires to avoid responsibility. I think that's a big part of anarchy as well. Mm -hmm. People don't like, like people, people don't know what fucking anarchy is. First of all, anarchy is literally, yeah, it's anarchy is complicated. It has thousands of definitions, but when people think of anarchy, they just think of like total, total 100% freedom, no government whatsoever. And people yeah, I think people are just overwhelmed by the concept of government. Uh, people don't want to learn how fucking Congress works. They don't know what a Congress or a legislation is. So they just think they can escape that reality by saying, like, I think all politicians are evil and power inherently corrupts. And I don't have to learn about any of this or I don't have to vote. Uh it's it's bad. Mm -hmm. It's childish. These people are children. Mm -hmm. And some of them never grow out of it. Yeah. Which is the scary part. Because especially when these people like start making YouTube videos, and this is a small percentage of our population, obviously, but there are a lot of like content creators who have these like stupid childish principles and once they start making money off of spouting them to their audience of middle schoolers, they never really grow out of it. And these content creators are actually influencing a lot of people. Mm -hmm. I am also really deeply concerned with the effect that influencers have on these these younger our, our generation um, and young people in general, um, because I mean, you see, you see shit like. Like Joe Rogan, where you know some of the time he he may be talking about real issues that he does have a point about, but then the rest of the time he is just spouting random bullshit that he knows nothing about. Things that just just stuff that his audience. Joe wants Rogan to is hear. the peak definition and of just believing people... in like what is fun to believe. Like, that's literally yes. all that yes, whole, exactly. like, manosphere shit is all about. It's about believing what's fun to believe, believing what, it you know, uh, affirms your pre-existing biases and desires. But, exactly. Um, And I'm really deeply concerned with the way that people like that are affecting public opinion. Um, And people love going, rah, 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 the media. And shit like that 
But if if you actually look at the the mainstream media, it's really not that not fucking really, no. bad. People 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 love acting like there's this whole conspiracy of people who are lying to them. And it's I mean, it's You have true your Fox News, you have your BuzzFeeds. But at the yes. end of the day, that's like, we're, that's that's media that is admittedly biased. That is media that exists for a very specific demographic. Mm-hmm. The general news, like fucking C-SPAN, CNN, all that shit is like, it's not, there's literally like, they're held so accountable that they literally like can't lie. Yes. Um, and, and all of them. People don't go into journalism because they want to That's lie to people. People go into journalism... People who want to lie to people well, don't make it to fucking C-SPAN, though. They make it to Fox News. Or they make it to BuzzFeed. Yes. Like, snotty um, little bitches that, like, have well, super... Well, p- Snotty little bitches that, like, just have, like, an opinion that they want to shove down everybody's throats. Or they have, like, extreme biases that they just want to continue to affirm through pseudoscience and pseudo-journalism. Those people make it to these other networks they don't make it they don't make it to the more like prestigious if you want to call it that outlets like cnn mm-hmm. um but even even fox news i mean recently uh texts and just messages from tucker carlson were leaked and it seems like he absolutely does not believe a lot of the shit that he is peddling on Fox News. I think he said something like, I hate him so fucking much in reference to Donald Trump, and then has to go and grift to Donald Trump um, and his viewers. It's, it's, it's sad, really, because I, I, I'm not sure how much of what he's talking about he really believes, but um, seems like not all of it, and that, that makes way for a lot of doubt yeah i'm not i'm not doubting that Um, a lot of these like conservative people are actually believe or don't believe what they're peddling i don't doubt that uh, doubt that whatsoever but i do think that there are a lot of what i really meant to articulate was that there there these are media outlets that don't have integrity and they're it's it's very hard very easy to see through you could very very easily discern mm-hmm. the integrity from other news networks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I hate the the distrust that has been sowed for journalists by by Donald Trump, but it really it started before that. Um, with people just grumbling about the media. Um, and. I don't know. It it really it makes me really really sad. And that that opens a gateway to these alternative forms of news like Joe Rogan, like Andrew Tate, like all of these these podcasters and influencers who have no fucking idea what they're talking about and their only goal is to make money. And it's it it is so so deeply frustrating because people I mean, you have your you have your Tucker Carlson's, you have your Fox News anchors, 
who I I guess my guess would be is they really just want to be stars. They want to be on television and they'll say whatever people want them to say in order to secure that position. But a real journalists it's not like you get into journalism for the money. It's because you're passionate about it and it's because you're passionate about world events and informing the citizens of the world and um just this inherent distrust of journalists is is really really bad um i i just i it makes me feel a little bit like the world is ending sometimes yeah, yeah the inherent i just i i i can't stand seeing all these social media people who have no idea what they're talking about they're not educate well educated and people are just believing whatever they say just because it fits their narrative just because it's convenient for them to believe or fun for them to believe um with with no real commitment to the truth yeah i think that's the the case with a lot of content creators a lot of alternative quote-unquote alternative media especially the personality driven shit that is very very scary yeah. it's very scary when your information is personality driven it's it comes to a point where you're loyal to a person and not actual principles and ideas i have the same exact problem with bread tubers actually i think people who are super, just super devoted to fucking Vosh or Hassan or ContraPoints or anybody, anybody, good or bad. It, like whether you know, no matter what I think of them, uh, it's it's a very dangerous thing because again, you can have trust in somebody's ability to advocate for the principles that you and them share, but it's another thing to blindly succumb to their authority and allow them to dictate what you believe in and what your take is going to be on every situation yeah and i think that a lot of people really will just believe in whatever's convenient or whatever feels vaguely like activism like um we we live in wisconsin and back during the george the george floyd protests in um in Madison, Wisconsin, which is the capital of Wisconsin, for those of you who don't know, um, uh, people there were protests, and some of it did get pretty rowdy, and there was a statue that was torn down, um, and this statue, I mean, previously to that, you'd seen all of these viral videos of people tearing down the statues of Confederates. Yes. Which is in based. The South. Um, which is which is based, yes. Good. But this this statue in Madison happened to be of a abolitionist, and what he would do was he would um he would lead militias that would protect slaves that had escaped into the north. And it's like really? Do people not understand the symbolic meaning of tearing down someone's statue? And and it's 
I, I try over and over again to think what their thought process was doing that. And again and again, I come to, I think that they just wanted to be like the cool people in those videos and tear down a statue. And they probably looked at this guy's statue and went, oh, he was probably racist. He was alive yeah, he was in the an, 1800s. He's an old white guy. And tore down a statue. Um, and, and that is just so deeply frustrating. And it's not going to win them any sympathizers. This is a cause that I would rather that people sympathize with. And tearing down random statues, busting up small locally owned businesses is just not it and i would talk to people after that people who supported the tearing down of the statue and they go well if he was alive i'm sure he would be happy to have his statue torn down if it would support this cause and it's the, like the by do... any means necessary thing where that's the by any means necessary yeah. shit People will fucking quote Marx or quote any quote Malcolm X or whoever the fuck says by any means necessary, completely out of context, just to justify doing what you feel like doing and acting like a fucking moron and just saying like, well, and then when, you, and when people criticize your optics or say like, hi, this is a bad thing. They're like, well, uh, the ends justify the means or whatever to support the movement. It's like, no, <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, there are multiple uh, minority owned businesses in Madison, Wisconsin, that were fucking destroyed and vandalized during those protests. These people, by white people, mm -hmm. by a lot of white college kids, mm -hmm. um, a lot more white people were at those protests than black people. And you are, that's a very important thing to remember when you're engaging in a movement that is supposed to be on behalf of black people. So whether you mm -hmm. like it or not, you are you are literally acting on behalf of an entire ethnicity of people in the eyes of conservatives and people, anybody who's not fully invested in this movement. And the fact that you take that mm -hmm. and you're so reckless with the reputation of the movement, you're so, oh, it, it boils my blood. And it, it's just painfully obvious that these yeah. people are obsessed with the aesthetic. These people are obsessed with the, the image of activism, the perception of good being done. Mm -hmm. But they don't actually care. They don't actually care about the principles themselves. Mm -hmm. And then after the fact, and it really, with the statue being torn down, it really felt like they were just trying to come up with excuses after it had already been done. Um, refusing to to look back and go, yeah, that probably wasn't the greatest thing to do at that point. Um, and it's this... <sighs> It just, it, it drives me insane. And then anyone who's like, that might have not been the greatest decision is immediately called ignorant or racist or these other, we, we love these terms, homophobic, racist, transphobic, xenophobic, that are like these irredeemable evils. And then rather than explaining to people why they're wrong and how they can be better, we label them as being irredeemably evil. And that is just so counterproductive. <laughs> Recently, I downloaded Truth Social. Go follow me at Felonious Ferris on Truth Social, you guys. Um, 
I'm pretty sure at Demi Gloom on Truth Social is me. Yes. Yes, I follow. Pretty you. sure I'm on there too. Um, and this was just to talk to people after and see what people were thinking after the Nashville shooting, which happened recently, which, in case you didn't know, was perpetrated by a trans man. Um, and I started these conversations with people on the hashtag uh, transterrorism uh, tag, uh, and nine, see, nine times out of ten, people would just have no fucking idea what they were talking about. They would just have, and they wouldn't be able to back up what they were talking about either. Um, they, they'd say trans people are groomers, trans people are pedophiles, and drag story hours are all grooming, and I'd say, okay, uh, give me, give me some articles about instances of, um, of drag queens being predators, and maybe they'd be able to find two that were real, um, and then I'd be able to turn around and show them hundreds of cases of, like, priests, Boy Scout leaders, youth leaders, teachers being, being actually convicted of sex crimes involving a child. But that's, and at that point, it means that the rate of drag queens that are, um, that are predators is way, way disproportionately low to, in, in relation to population. And then... Yeah, we make up, we make up, what was it, like, about roughly 1% of the population. Transness is something that's very difficult to measure. Yeah. But, like, by whatever standard, it, it relatively will remain the same, no matter how you change the standard, for the most part. But... Roughly 1% of the population is trans, and, like, roughly, like, 0.0002% of, like, domestic terrorists or terrorists, like, shooters are trans. Meaning that trans people are, like, significantly less likely to commit terrorism. Yes. But as soon as one trans person commits an act of terrorism, um... That's suddenly the entire trans community has to take the fall for that. Yeah, we as the we never even went on to say that like all conservatives are going to become mass shooters, but you know what I mean. If we're going to go that route, like if one trans shooter means that all trans people are domestic terrorists just ready to fucking blow, then what we can think if we're even just like statistically, sociologically. What the fuck are conservatives then? Yeah. Conservatives are like ISIS compared to us. Mm -hmm. If trans people are all terrorists, mm -hmm. it's it's absolutely insane and delusional. I made in my opinion. I made a, a truth social post about this actually. Um and it has it has all these numbers in it. Um and I posted this four days ago, which would be uh, March 31st, um, and that is 1.4% uh, of the U.S. population identifies as transgender or non-binary, and as of four days ago, this is numbers already gone up, 
um, 134 mass shootings had been perpetrated. Um, and that means that point, just so far this year, 0.7% of mass shootings were perpetrated by trans people. And now, obviously, the, um, the real number for that is only going to get smaller. Um, and that is just, just this year. And that means that 1.4% of the population only committed 0.7% of the mass shootings. So that's disproportionately small again, according to population. But 31% of the population is white and male, but they perpetrate 54% of all mass shootings. Um, and yet, we, it's, you weren't allowed to say the phrase white male or white man around conservatives because they'll blow a fucking gasket. And I, I truly, I truly believe that no one deserves to take the fall for someone's actions when they haven't, they don't, they don't even know that person. Obviously, the majority of white men aren't fucking school shooters, and they don't deserve to be labeled as such, to carry around that label. And neither do trans people. <laughs> it's, and, but this is just, this is performative activism taken to its logical extreme. It's because conservatives, a lot of them, will, like you said, just go with their gut instincts and then come up with stuff to justify it later. Um, conservatives think trans people are really weird and odd and they don't like them. So they're going to label them. It's kind of a, well, an extreme case of the straw man fallacy where they know they can't just baselessly say trans people are bad for existing. So what they do instead is they come up with other reasons that trans people are bad, that are really, is really unrelated to being trans. Um, trans people are pedophiles, trans people are terrorists. Of course, none of this is really aligned with reality at all, but because it serves their narrative, they don't need real facts to back it up. They need whatever will serve their narrative. Yeah. And I'm really, really afraid that that's where this generation is headed. That's the path it's going down. Um, there was also, there was a recent thing in women's college basketball. And people, people love memeing on the WNBA for getting no viewers. But the yeah, literally, literally, women's sports for so long among conservatives, up until the trans sports debate, was literally just a laughing stock. Yeah, like WNBA would literally be like a punchline to like hundreds of crude misogynistic jokes. And now that all of a sudden, now that there are trans women in women's sports, women's sports are the thing that ought to be protected. It's just like it's just like how they engage in quote-unquote radical feminism and get, get behind like a whole bunch of like turf rhetoric when they have absolutely no feminist interests mm -hmm. in their general policy yes yeah. 
again, performative activism. It's just riding a wave. Conservatives don't support women until it's convenient to allow them to attack trans people. Um, but yeah, this thing that yeah, happened... Conservatives don't... I was just going to say, conservatives don't hate trans people because they care about women, that they actually think women are under attack, like TERFs do. Conservatives just think trans people are gross yeah. and degenerate. That's literally it. Yeah. That's all. But this thing that happened in women's college basketball is, um, so there are these two star players, right? Um, there's, there's Angel Reese, um, who is a black woman from a majority black team. And then there's Caitlin Clark, who is a white woman from a majority white team. And she's, she goes to Iowa State. And Angel Reese goes to uh, Louisiana State. And um, Caitlin Clark is a brilliant player. So is Angel Reese. Um, and at some point, um, Caitlin Clark did the John Cena, you can't see me motion to her own bench. I was just going to say, I saw this yeah. going viral. Yeah. And I was like, is that the John Cena thing? Yeah. It is. Yeah. Um, see, but people are sharing around these viral memes about it without knowing any of the context. Um, and it annoys the shit out of me. Um, but she did, she did the John Cena thing once to her own bench. And then in this recent finals game, um, Angel Reese's team defeated, um, Caitlin Clark's team. And, uh, so they're out of the finals, gonna have to wait till next year to try again. Um, the issue comes in where, uh, Angel Reese, at the end of the game, or very, there may have still been a couple of seconds on the clock, but it was, the game was over. Um, followed Caitlin Clark around doing the you can't see me motion, and basically basically taunting her, rubbing her face in the loss. Um, and then when Caitlin Clark went over to her side of the court and started crying on her teammate's shoulder, um, she'd, across the court, was taunted again. And people criticized Angel Reese for this behavior. Um... I personally think that it's stupid that this is even a discussion because I don't think that this would be an issue if it was men's sports. No one would be talking about it. No one would give a shit. But the the fact of the matter is there is some, like, I don't think it's good to be all up in their business, but there is some valid criticism of the way that Angel Reese, of like, the way that she acted as a winner. You know, that's not, I, I did sports as a kid, and if I had d done something even remotely similar to that, both my coaches and my father would have publicly crucified me. <laughs> like, like, actually, um, it just would not, would not be acceptable. Um, but once people started criticizing Angel Reese's behavior, um, People, people started making these memes where it's like, when the white girl does the John Cena thing, 
it's it's fun and competitive when the black girl does it. It's it's ghetto and unprofessional. Um when that's really not what anyone was saying. That's removing these two images completely out of context and assigning meaning to them based off of that. And then saying well, that this is the next part is um people people started saying that anyone who was criticizing Angel Reese's behavior was racist. And that that to me is absurd. You can criticize them for for being up in these athletes' business when neither Caitlin Clark wasn't particularly bothered by it and Angel Reese didn't really care either. But you can criticize the people for like nitpicking about what these women are doing, but calling people racist for criticizing what Angel Reese did? That's that's nuts. That's that's just not well, aligned with I think it's completely based in a misunderstanding of the situation that comes from it being taken out of context. Yes. Because I, when I see everybody, it seems that everybody is actually under the impression that these two people did the same exact thing with the same meaning and same context, and a black person is being criticized for something that a white person completely got away with scot-free. So from that perspective, I can totally see why people are like, holy shit, fuck you for like hyperfixating on this. But if what you're saying is true and it's completely based on something being taken out of context, then yeah, that's a very unfortunate narrative yeah and whenever i i a cup on a couple of occasions in the last couple of days have tried to explain the context to people on the internet um it's usually met with just jeering and anger from all around and none of them are really able to explain why they they still disagree with me. None of them are truly able to justify it. They just kind of employ it. Employ. They enjoy uh, continuing to point and laugh. And it's it's whenever this shit happens, it's really disheartening because I know no one ever wants to be wrong. That doesn't feel good. But when you learn about when when you learn that you were advocating for something without knowing the full context of it, then why can't you just go, oh, I didn't know that. I'll I'll revise the way I act in the future. Like why do we have to why do we have to uphold this image of ourselves that we're 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 pro black, we're anti racist when we just th- this this stuff isn't really based in reality it's just it really yeah. it's been driving me nuts um meanwhile meanwhile police brutality is happening every day yeah. and we only care when it goes viral yeah yeah it's this really goes to show is when people like are hyper fixating on these fucking trends and social like this social media shit that have you see on the news or whatever or not the news you see in like drama you know, when we're talking about drama, not actual things that are happening. That's that's a huge tool of the performative activist. Mm-hmm. Is not focusing on reality, dealing with actual statistics or sociological 
uh, or inter- intersectional analysis. It's it's about anecdotes. You deal with anecdotes and you you deal with drama, pop culture, all these things because the performative activist knows how to navigate those those realms. A performative activist does not know how to navigate like I said, uh intersectional analysis, sociological thinking, anything that actually matters. Um I see the same thing just all over the place and it's depressing. Yeah. And it uh, something that I'm very concerned of ab- about is finding the people who are neutral on social and political issues. Um as as much as the internet might lead you to believe it isn't just pro-trans and anti-trans people out there. There are a lot of people who are really too busy being adults with full-time jobs to give a shit what's happening in social justice, in politics, and they just aren't familiar. And I'm very, I'm very concerned with bringing those people over to our side because it, it at the end of the day you aren't gonna bring a whole lot of actual real bigots over to over to leftism over to the right side of history um but you can bring those neutral people over but the issue is is if all of these neutral people only see people with zero substance behind what they're saying. People who are talking about whatever upholds their narrative, um, they won't be particularly attracted to hear us out and to come over to our side. No, and we don't want... The left doesn't want them to hear us out because the left doesn't actually care about... Holy shit! They the care the left do, isn't able to discern ignorance from malice, yes. or discern the difference between ignorance and malice. Yes, the left is unable to decipher the two things. And people who are just don't know what the hell is going on are tired of being called bigots. Are tired of being just flushed out of every community. We're literally pushing them to the right. Yeah, we're literally we're literally telling we're literally saying fuck you. Go give Andrew Tate money. That's basically what we're yes. doing. Yes, exactly. That's like I don't understand. We're addicted to losing. Yeah. We don't want to win. It's and that's this is performative activism. It's not actually caring about winning. It's not actually caring about spreading your ideas. It's about you. It's not about everyone. It's not about making the world left winged. It's about you being perceived as the best, the most left winged, the most progressive. Yes. You at the top. It's selfish and it's disgusting. And I think that at the core of it, people want to they want to be right they want something to stand against because that makes them feel strong and helps reaffirm their self-esteem but they're more concerned with being with being right than they are with actually for with actually advancing these issues with making real progress and you see this a lot with internet activism, um, the phrase, like, it's not my job to educate you, which is true. Um, you can't just go up to a random black person on the street and go, hey, tell me, tell me why systemic racism is tell wrong. Tell me why, 
Or tell me why I shouldn't hate you because yes. of the color of your skin. Yes. And that's that's wrong. It's not your job to educate those people. It's not your it's job. It's not the job. It's not the job of an oppressed or marginalized person to justify their existence around people, but it is the job of a political movement to justify itself to the population that it is taking place in. Yeah. What is a political movement if it can't even explain itself to somebody who's not already on board? You know what it is? If you can't, you know what a political movement is? If it's unable to explain itself to anyone who's not already involved, it's a fucking cult. That's what that mm -hmm. is. That's literally what a cult is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and, but then we see this, this term, it's, it's not my job to educate you. Um, thrown around in really inappropriate situations where you'll see on the internet someone who is just just uninformed they aren't they aren't malicious they aren't hateful they just don't know what's going on and you'll see them get just absolutely red for filth and roasted and dragged by a mob of people publicly rather than people just talking to them and explaining explaining their side of things and those people are probably going to go wow leftists are all fucking assholes and they wouldn't be particularly wrong it's it's not your job to educate people but it's also you know you use your energy however you want but maybe don't use your energy to actively be cruel and alienate people who might otherwise be end up being sympathetic to your side if they were truly informed. Um, if you're not willing to inform people, you're not an activist. Mm -hmm. And that's what activism. That's basically what activism is. It's it's spreading your ideas and informing the public that. You have legitimate grievances that you have logic that you have these you have mer there's merit to your ideas it's the presentation activism is the presentation of your ideas it's the presentation and advocacy for your ideas and a huge part of that in fact probably the biggest part of that is justifying it to the world and when you go around saying it's not my job to educate you while simultaneously calling yourself an activist you're you're just not an activist you're you're a cult member you're a follower. You're a succumber. You succumb. You succumb. You've succumbed to the pressure. Yeah. And it, it's uh, all these talks about emotional energy. I don't need to spend my emotional energy on you. Then why are you spending all this emotional energy just, just beating this person to death over the internet verbally? It's, it's, exactly. it's, just, it's just gratification. It feels good to be right, and it feels good to to s just hold that over someone's head. Say, I'm more informed than you. I'm right, and you're bad for not being right. It's, it's, there's no, it's not progress. There's no progress in that. Nothing changes, except maybe the person who you roasted might not want to, to sympathize with you in the future. Yeah, they're going to say, maybe Andrew Tate was right. Maybe Joe Rogan is right about you people. Mm -hmm. I've seen numerous, on numerous occasions, people who are, like, reasonably progressive 
but just not fully in the fucking leftist woke scolding cult, myself included at some point in my life. There was a point where I identified as a liberal, you know what I mean? There was a point where I was like, yeah, I don't know about fucking communism. It seems a little bit crazy. And, you know, I'm not going to apologize for having a poor understanding of leftism or for feeling like leftism wasn't for me when the entire demographic was pushing me away, telling me I was unworthy, telling me that I could not, you know, I was just unfit. It's like you're literally like recruiting people. You're not actually inviting people. You're just like super selective about who you let in your spaces. And you know what? I bet nine times out of ten, if these people like didn't have the ability to delete their tweets, make new accounts, cover up their previous statements, they would they would be eating each other alive. And they are. They're constantly eating each other alive. You look at these woke scolding uh, tender queers on fucking Twitter. They're constantly eating each other alive. These people are victim to their own mob. Mm-hmm. But they don't care because they don't have to fa- actually face any accountability because it's on the internet. And uh, like fucking Vosh and Keffels have said on numerous occasions, these people act like they're at the fucking forefront of the revolution when they have too much social anxiety to order a fucking pizza over the phone. Mm-hmm. These people are doing nothing but tweeting. But they have such moral high ground issues that they convince themselves that they're better than everybody else. Uh, I think I think a liberal who voted is better than a leftist who doesn't vote. A leftist who is a fucking anarchist who has no faith in any politicians and just sits there and whines and bitches on Twitter all day. Uh, yeah, I'd rather... I would rather recruit a bunch of, like, fucking Bernie Sanders-supporting liberals who are hesitant to accept anything Karl Marx has had to say. I'd rather recruit somebody like that than somebody who, like is like, oh, uh, have you literally never read Lenin, bro? Uh, you shouldn't vote for anybody because uh, the government is terrible. Mm-hmm. And I hate this trend among leftists that's like, both parties are exactly the same and no one should vote because it's all the same and everything's bad. But if you're actually, if you're connected to reality, that, I mean, to a certain extent, if you're only if you're only concerned with changing our capitalist system into a socialist one, then maybe, maybe that's, that's why you think that, because liberals and conservatives are both capitalists. But if you look closer, it's, it, there's lots of differences, lots of differences that do really matter. And part of harm reduction is voting and making sure that we don't get like a psychotic bigot in office as opposed to a a mild somewhat senile person who would rather we just all get along it like i'm not even oh hold, let's not let's not under uh <laughs> let's not pretend joe biden isn't a fucking disgusting piece of shit though it's let's be real now we're voting for the lesser of two evils obviously but we're not going to pretend. We're, I'm not going to pretend Joe Biden is. He's just a little old and out of. No, he's fucking repulsive. Uh, Joe Biden is a performative activist. We voted for a performative activist, mm-hmm. which is, again, where where we voted for somebody who regurgitates their takes and panders to good causes, which is better than a psychotic rapist bigot. Mm-hmm. And 
I I'm I'm not a fan of Joe Biden. I certainly I certainly prefer him to most conservative politicians. I and I also think that he hasn't done as bad of a job as president as some people are saying. I think there are as far as like the actual legislation goes, he didn't really do anything wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but but the issue is these these anti-voting people aren't looking at issues that actually impact people, like abortion rights. If Donald Trump hadn't been elected, if we had elected Hillary Clinton instead. Everyone would still have their rights to a safe and legal abortion secured. That wouldn't be a problem. And people are dying because of it. Um, and stuff like during Trump's administration, he stripped away um, civil rights protections for queer people. So for a period of time, it was legal for someone a doctor to deny medical care to someone on the basis of them being queer which is awful repulsive and we're not just talking about gender affirming care we're talking like emergency room care just like someone could be having yeah. a heart attack and a doctor could go oh well that doesn't really align to my religion to be trans so i'm just gonna let you fucking die um and that would be yes, totally sir, cool religious freedom um and that would have been cool and then Biden's administration reinstalled those Obama era, old Obama era rules. Um, it's like, you think we would have gotten gay marriage? Like, it, these, these are, these are issues that matter. Of course, we aren't, we aren't getting the, the radical law enforcement reform. We aren't getting the reform to our justice system. We aren't, we aren't immediately becoming a socialist utopia but also you kind of you, you need to understand that abortion rights also matter trans rights also matter these things it's not like these yeah, things stop mattering because other things aren't being addressed as you like them to um it's the equivalent of just like refusing to like drink water because your meals aren't desirable yeah like you're just refusing to acknowledge like basic needs because the whole of them are not being met mm -hmm. for the entirety of society. And you know what? I'm going to say it. It's fucking it's fucking white people, it's heterosexuals, it's cis people. I'm not saying that it's all cis het white people, but this performative activism oftentimes does come from the people who are not of the marginalized groups that are actually being affected. Mm -hmm. The people who People like trans people or black people are living their day-to-day -day lives wondering when very specific legislation is going to be passed or removed or reformed in order to better or worsen their lives. Cisgendered heterosexual white people don't... It's convenient for a lot of them to just be like, well, fuck it. You know what I mean? We're never going to truly uphold the interests of these demographics therefore i'm just gonna stop caring mm -hmm. or i'm not gonna vote or i'm gonna be a fucking nihilist about it mm -hmm. or i'm going to constantly bitch about these things on twitter fundament like the fundamentals of it all without actually 
advocating for the things that are the changes that need to happen for these other groups of people. Mm-hmm. And and I'm just going to say it, dude. Fuck fuck them, dude. Everybody <laughs> just fuck performative activists. I hate you. I hate all of you. <laughs> you have less guts and integrity than your average conservative voter. You're an absolute piece of shit and I fucking hate you. I have no listen, respect for you as a human being. Listen. I think Listen, I dated one of you, okay? <laughs> I know you guys. Listen, I've been friends with plenty of you. I've had very close, intimate relationships with a lot of you. I know who you are. And you're disgusting. You're filth. You stand for nothing. You should... Listen. Listen. I think... I think that they can do better. I think that... Or I hope that they're capable of changing and being better. And I say they, but... I think that this is something that a lot of us are guilty of to some extent. We're guilty of... I just did it right now. I just alienated <laughs> yeah. them all. Um, you know, like... We're, we're guilty of, um, of wanting to be good, wanting to be on the right side of things, and every once in a while letting that stir, steer our decision, decision-making process more than it should. Um, and I, I think, I think that they, I think that they can do it. I think that they're almost there. They have the desire to be on the right side of things, which truly is the first step. They just need to be truly informed and concerned, concerned with actually being right, rather than just going along with the cool people and yeah i uh, i am really worried that it won't turn out like that and that people are just going gonna be become just like their parents um i can only cross my fingers you know at the end of the day i can't make them do anything it's up to them um but we'll see you know as a leftist I like to believe that humanity has some amount of innate goodness in it. And that humanity is a force capable of moving forward in the right direction, at least at least moving forward with the right spirit, in the spirit of its own good. Mm-hmm. But I am pretty much fully convinced that we live in a society that is nurtured such destructive and divisive behavior that we will never achieve this this egalitarian society that we desire. Yeah. So I'm never gonna vote <laughs> again. And I think all politicians no, I'm kidding. Um yeah, I'm just very hopeless, honestly, and really sad. But I but you know, my hopelessness and depression doesn't lead me to not want to participate in an election or not actually not advocate for anything. Because I know that it could always be worse. Mm-hmm. It can always be worse, and it can always be better. You could, no matter how shitty things are, you need to keep fighting for something better. Fight for some amount of improvement. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're just not gonna. You're just never gonna win anything. Mm-hmm. You're, you're just gonna kill yourself. I don't know what else to say. Mm-hmm. Or you're just gonna sit and rot in your misery. Mm-hmm. 
fight for something for the love of Christ. But I don't want to pretend that like performative activism is exclusive among people who don't actually vote. Like I'm not going to pretend performative activists are only people who only people who don't actually contribute anything to politics. Mm-hmm. Um I can't tell you how many fucking white moms I've heard regurgitate, yeah, we don't really like Joe Biden, but he's a lot better than Donald Trump without knowing what the fuck they were talking mm-hmm. about. Uh, I can't tell you how many people post, uh, you know, trans women are women infographs on Instagram while also uh, being horrified of trans women like me when they step foot in a women's space or near other women or even talk to cis women. Um, Performative activism is everywhere. And I think the majority of people who aren't like super... Not even going to say super educated, because I don't like to call myself super educated in politics, but people who aren't like... People who are sufficiently informed. Sufficiently informed and sufficiently capable of actually advocating for positions and following ideals to their logical conclusions and just, you know, just actually (laughs) believing and standing for something. Mm Mm-hmm. Not being just a hollow shell for the latest hot take. Because that's what these people are. That's what most people are. They're hollow shells that regurgitate the latest hot take that they saw on fucking Twitter or TikTok. Or if you're a little bit older, on fucking Facebook or wherever, dude. Mm -hmm. It's repulsive. It's repugnant. And, you know, I I don't think that the best thing to do is alienate these people or tell them they're disgusting that they're not capable because you you know you see that all the time you see you know the the rise against the tender queers and woke scolds is a real thing and when i first saw it i thought it was beautiful right um when the brianna is it brianna J or brianna gay the trans woman that was murdered i don't remember how to pronounce I'm her name not i'm sure. pretty sure it's brianna J. am pretty sure it's brianna J. when brianna J was murdered a lot of people were saying, um, hashtag say her name, right? Um, they're using that hashtag because a lot of uh, media outlets were using her dead name or not using her name, just saying trans, uh, transgender murdered in a park in the UK. And people were saying, hashtag say her name. Her name is Brianna J. This is a real person with a real story to tell. And it's important that we do this, right? Other activists were offended by that because uh, hashtag say her name was the thing we used for Brianna Taylor, who was a black woman that was murdered by the police. And essentially, they were like, look, say her name is specifically used for black women because black women are oftentimes, uh, you know, just not mentioned by name in media so saying her name is important for similar reasons right and they're saying this is a black thing please don't do this for a white woman who has white privilege and i was like on the side of everybody who was like fuck you dude like say her name is you know this is a perfectly fine sentiment that's not deterring anyone away from the black lives matter sentiment but engaging in that discourse whatsoever uh, turned this murder of this trans woman into a fucking argument. Mm-hmm. It became woke scolds versus true, pure fucking leftists. And then, literally, the legacy of this trans woman's murder is a discourse 
about whether about what hashtag we should use. Mm -hmm. And I have to condemn the actions of the anti woke scolds, anti performative activists thing. There was a moment where we could because they were saying, um, I don't remember. They tried to use a different hashtag. They were like, "Hi, please don't use say her name. Use uh, justice for Brianna J instead." Right, which accomplishes the same thing. But people were so caught up in the fucking uh, performative activists versus true activists or fake versus real queers argument that they literally ate each other alive over what fucking hashtag they were going to use. And that's the legacy of this trans woman who was murdered, mm -hmm. is that fucking discourse. I don't know how much of this you personally witnessed. I didn't. But um, I was on Twitter <laughs> during the whole time. I was on watching all the YouTube commentaries from all the different leftist commentators uh all the mainstream news i basically saw every interaction that was had about this with the exception of whatever the hell was going on on truth social i wasn't i was uh, the left i witnessed the left's response to this pretty extensively and they literally turned it into a fucking argument over a hashtag mm -hmm. and that's the legacy of among leftists of this trans woman's literal murder we could have came together. We could have just succumbed for a split second and said, okay, whatever. This hashtag, justice for Brianna J, would have accomplished the same thing. The say her name sentiment was in there. Her literal first and last name, her preferred name, not her dead name, was right there. It was right there. We could have done it. There was a literal compromise. Compromise being offered from both sides. We could have unified as leftists and rallied behind this and made this a huge thing. But we didn't. We let it fucking die out because we were so busy eating each other alive. Mm -hmm. And this is, I guess, the pointless infighting. And it's... I blame performative activists for this. But at the same time, it's like, this toxic behavior has led us to do the same exact thing. Mm -hmm. Like I said five minutes ago, I said, fuck all of you. Uh, I said, eat a bag of shit, cunt face. <laughs> uh, we... We don't like you, and it's over. And we're, it's just constantly dividing us. It's pointless infighting. And we're tearing ourselves apart. We're going to lose. We're failing. We're failing everything. The left will never, ever, ever, ever uh, handle real power. It'll never happen. Mm -hmm. Whereas the right, <laughs> everyone from Jordan Peterson to Andrew Tate to Adolf Hitler to fucking tankies even, dude, to fucking Joseph Stalin stands on Twitter are all unified, all unified. Mm-hmm. They will completely work together. They will set aside their differences collect and collect the fucking infinity stones mm -hmm. together. Because mm -hmm. in their eyes, as long as we have the power, you know what I mean? Us getting our basic principles in legislation is very important to us. We, we are incapable of doing that. Mm -hmm. We can't do it. And it... And this is part of the advantage of performative activism because if you don't have real understanding of things if you don't have nuanced takes then you can all just agree about whatever the big the the guy on fox news is saying and go about your day because that's your new opinion now um and that and that that allows conservatives to unify like we aren't able to and i i we have a huge issue with performative activism but i do think 
that in general people have a a better understanding of things. People have more nuanced perspectives. And unfortunately, that causes infighting because people disagree rather than all feeling the exact same because that's what you're told to feel. Um yeah, it it uh, um I don't know if this means that our movements are doomed. I hope it doesn't, but... Well, let me ask you the question. Do you think leftist movements of yesterday are doomed? Were were doomed from the start? Was was feminism doomed since the 1920s? Uh, no. I think that there is hope. Well, I think that's your answer. Yes. I think, I think that as long as people don't give up, and as long as people keep talking about these issues... I also see people just go performative activism and then not elaborate further. Um, yeah. So, it, which is why I'm really glad I get to do a whole podcast about yeah. it instead of just uh, pointing the finger all the time. Yeah. Um, but I think that is as, as long as people are concerned with what is good and right, that there there is hope. Um, we just have to not let toxic mindsets completely overtake our communities. Yeah. Yeah, but it's not, I mean, I don't know. We're fucked. (laughs) (laughs) I still think we're fucked. We're just going to be constantly moving in like slow motion. I mean, like you can point to all the, the great accomplishments of second wave feminism, but if you look at their true like end game goals, like we're not even close to what they wanted. Same thing with the civil rights movement. If you look at the true desires of your favorite civil rights activist, Fred Hampton, Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, uh, Huey, New- Huey Newton, if you look at any of these people's like true endgame desires for race relations in America, we're not even close to what they truly wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think that that in the end, though, going, we're all doomed everything is bad is part of what will ensure that doom. So I I will say that I'm not always particularly optimistic about it, but I still want to say I think that we can do it. I think that it is possible for us to do this. We just, we just gotta do it. (laughs) See, I want to convince, I need to convince the world that we're I need to convince the world enough that we're doomed so that people will still fucking go to college, stay in high school, and get a job and participate in our shitty society. But also, we need just enough hope that we're going to keep voting, keep protesting, keep on tweeting, you know, doing whatever the hell we need to do to uh, accomplish the necessary goals or to the best of our ability. Mm -hmm. Um, When I say we're fucked, I mean... We'll never reach a true egalitarian civilization. We will never truly be able to uphold the interests of every marginalized group. Uh, However, we certainly can't just sit here and succumb. Because if we do that, then it's just going to be constantly getting worse, 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 worse. Mm -hmm. Yep. Constantly fighting for the lesser of two evils is the fate that we're doomed to. But I don't know. Maybe some people won't kill themselves, <laughs> I guess. That's 
That's my takeaway. I honestly don't understand how not every human being on Earth is suicidal right now, but whatever, something's working. Mm-hmm. We're doing something. Something something that we're doing is in stopping our population from just being completely nihilistic, from just being homeless and starving to death. Mm-hmm. We we don't live in a, a post-Mao China right now, which <laughs> makes me somewhat happy and hopeful for the future. Yes. I'm trying to see if there's any bullet points that I missed. Um, I definitely sounded like a fucking idiot for most of this podcast, particularly towards the beginning. I apologize for stumbling on my words and saying meaningless things and talking in circles. I'm just a complete dumbass and don't, I'm incapable of social engagement. Don't say those things about yourself. And I'm also apologizing, which makes it a hundred times worse, <laughs> but I have to be self-aware. I just have to be. I, everyone needs to know that I'm aware. Um, yeah, I guess a couple things I had written down were just some examples. Uh, Jimmy Kimmel, uh, and his 500,000 jokes about how the orange man is bad, is peak performative activism. Fuck Jimmy Kimmel. I just really wanted to take the opportunity to say fuck Jimmy Kimmel. (laughs) Um, I don't like Jimmy Kimmel. I hate those late night guys. And I don't know if I'm preaching to the choir. I don't know if everyone shares that opinion with me. But, I don't know. They're so fucking annoying. They clearly don't actually give a shit about politics. Mm-hmm. They regurgitate the popular sentiment. Um, while inadvertently platforming Nick Fuentes. Way to fucking go, Jim Kimmel. <laughs> um, let's see here. Clout chasing, obviously. Yeah, the repost, repost if you're against rape. Um, that shit is fucking repugnant. Disgusting. The fact that you're literally <laughs> telling people if you don't repost my tweet. If you don't retweet me, if you don't give me money, if you don't help me monetize my brand, you are pro-rape. Absolutely repugnant. Um, False allegations. Not a topic I feel like navigating right now. Mm -hmm. Regurgitating sentiment to spare yourself the accountability and the work of learning about things. That's a big problem. Um, Just kind of to add on to what we've already said. Regurgitating a sentiment or just repeating popular opinions within your own circle is it's easy and that's why people do it mm-hmm. um you don't have to learn anything because learning things and being a real activist takes uh work that people don't want to put in but yeah i've i've gotten most of my takes out of the way have you yep do you want to read comments or do you want to end the show right now read comments we have like... okay uh, I, I decided to take the good comments uh, because a lot of them a lot of our comments aren't exactly super high quality and I hate I hate to devastate anybody but uh, when you comment things like the splurge goes blowing I'm not exactly super <laughs> excited to read them and offer my nuanced perspective so um, if people comment like actual <laughs> meaningful things I think your comments are funny but like I just have no reason to read and respond to them on the show mm-hmm. um our good friend Squeebo, they commented, My dad is a therapist, and I believe he does it for the money slash fun. It sounds really weird, but he's one of the least sympathetic people I know. Wow. Um, yeah. I guess we kind of said in that episode that therapists, therapists aren't in it for the money. They care about people. But yeah, there's def- certainly exceptions. Mm-hmm. I don't deny that. I just think therapy is a field that's generally dominated by professionals who actually care about what they're doing and my advice to people who encounter 
someone who gives those red flags is to just move on to another person. Just keep trying. Yeah. And that's not what somebody who's struggling wants to hear. Keep on trying this shit that hasn't worked for you. But like, at the end of the day, that's just what works. That's the best. It's the clearest uh, path to success. Mm-hmm. Um, not saying talk therapy is going to save your, everyone's life, but uh, talk therapy, if you if you are fully open and honest about what you need and what you want, talk therapy will lead you down a more positive path, especially if you're in so much distress that, you know, you're just feel completely like nothing ever is going to help. Yes. I promise you talk therapy will help you find that thing. And if your therapist isn't helping you get a different one, Mm -hmm. go to a different place, you know, because not all therapists are bad. Mm -hmm. Most of them are pretty damn good. Um, David Fern, David our, Fern, our, our favorite fan. You really like David Fern for some reason, I, even though you've never laid your eyes upon a profile of theirs. I, I think it's because David Fern is someone who I don't, at least I don't know that I know David Fern. Maybe, maybe David Fern is secretly a friend of mine and someone I'm associated with, but I like have no idea who David Fern is and. I like ferns. Big fan of ferns. Well, you heard it here first. Um, this might be bad advice, but if you recontextualize being weird as a point of pride, then it's harder to get scared of people thinking you're weird. The one flaw is that being weird actually does make fewer people like you. Um, I don't think that's necessarily bad advice. I don't think being weird for the sake of being weird, like, oh, look at me, I'm so quirky, nobody understands me, he <laughs> he, I think that's fucking annoying. And people have a right to not like you for that. But at the same time, if there are things about you that are weird that you're only ashamed of because other people taught you to be ashamed of them, um, I don't think you should feel the need to repress those things. Um, I have terrible, shitty posture, and people made fun of me and still make fun of me for that. Uh, For a long time, I tried to hide it. I tried to, (laughs) you know... Uh, crank my head back but I've pretty much accepted at this point in my life I'm a fucking disgusting hunchback <laughs> and that's who I am I'm a hunchback uh, I am a hunchback and I am physically repulsive to most people uh, yeah you know I, have, I also used to completely repress any of my desire to exhibit gender nonconformity because I'm like I would never look like a real woman I'm like yeah whatever I don't look I don't resemble a woman whatsoever. I look nothing like what people understand to be a woman. I'm about as much uh, of a woman in the eyes of most people as Andre 3000 is in the Hey Ya video. But I don't, I, I mean, I do care. I, I do cry myself to sleep every night over it, but I still embrace who I want to be. I still don't cut my hair. I still wear some things that I want to I'm really not a good example for this. I'm still very ashamed of myself. But I try not to be. I'm moving in a positive direction. And I'm so proud of you. Nothing to be proud of. I'm not there yet. In order to like truly reach the goal, I have to stop caring that I'm a disgusting transvestite that nobody will ever perceive as a woman. And that fact still haunts me. Like every moment of my life, every time that I'm misgendered, every time that I'm anyone lays their eyes upon me so i can't pretend that i was able to overcome that but i'm to a certain extent i have by just coming out 
but yeah, no, uh, gender confidence is not something that I have. It's not something that I ever will have. So I'm not going to grandstand about that. And I'll also, I'll also stop venting because this is fucking annoying. <laughs> um, Crystal, Crystal Wesson, I believe that's how you pronounce their name. Um, says feeling scared to say things in school ruined all of my grades. I bet if I didn't have a problem with that, I would have had much better grades. Yeah, me too. Um, my pure reluctance to write down anything on a piece of paper out of fear of being judged stopped me from, you know, displaying the things that I knew and had learned so much to the point where I felt like my grades were never an accurate reflection of what I knew or understood. It's It was a real problem that I had. See, And Felonius Ferris probably thinks that this is an autism thing. I don't know, maybe. But I was I was definitely the person in high school who, when after the teacher asked a question, I'd let the room be silent for a few beats, and then I would answer the question. And I would always have to be the person, like, driving all of the group conversations, always answering the teacher. Um, that was me and, like, my pat, like, my last, like, three years of school. Mm-hmm. So from my junior year to my second senior year, because I'm a dumbass who got held back, I, I gained a lot of confidence in most things, particularly like my history classes or my the music class that I took. Uh, and those things, I would constantly always be like the person driving the group conversation. But when it came to like math or like really simple, I found myself on like super complex topics that I had like a good understanding of. I would constantly be just showing off everything that I knew. But, like, someone would literally ask me, like, what is two divided by two? And I was like, surely he doesn't mean it. Surely there's some kind of trick here. Surely if I say one, I'll be a complete dumbass. But, yeah. Um, a, a, a user simply known as Jay. I swear to God, this isn't an alternative account of mine. They say, I love listening to Demi. She's got good insights and her voice is super soothing. Um... Wow, fuck you, you piece of shit. I hate my voice. You're making me more disappointed. I hate... Bro, I'm gonna be real with you. Like, my ex-girlfriend, like, did this weird shit where she was like, oh my god, yeah, I love you. So- I love your big hands and your deep voice and your massive shoulders. I love how small you make me feel. Basically everything short of... I love how much of a man you are to me. Oh, Lord. Um, I hate it. Don't compliment my voice, please, for the love of fucking God. Oh. Because I know that you don't... (sighs) This is not the voice of a woman, no matter how... Stop! No matter how it's just not. So when people say they like my voice... Stop! It seems like you're saying other things. Stop. Stop doing this. Just saying it's insulting. Okay. Because it really is, in my opinion. Okay. But yeah, th- those are the those are the good comments. No offense to Zane, but your comments weren't very good this week. Do better. Am I a fascist for not reading those comments? <laughs> Should I pull up the channel and read Zane's comments? Fine. Let's see what Zane has to say. Let's go. New episode. MSGSSA. I say toodles. Thank you, Zane. I appreciate cool. the enthusiasm. Yeah. Awesome. Um, I will note, uh, almost, I believe, three or four people 
listens to middle school gsa like the last episode wow since the last episode have told me like yo dude what the hell this show is really really good um they don't like comment they probably listen on spotify but like i've received multiple personal comments from people over the past two weeks that they really 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 liked the show holy shit they're enjoying it so this is a critically acclaimed podcast i also forget to mention we have a uh, 4.5 star rating on Apple Podcasts. Wow. I have no idea who is listening on Apple Podcasts or rating it, but somebody gave us a four-star rating and someone gave us a five-star rating. Um, whoever gave us a five-star rating, you, my friend, are against rape. Uh, the person <laughs> who gave us a four-star rating, I don't know. Seems a little sus to me. Oh, man. But yeah. Uh, with all that being said, uh, if you're against rape, leave uh, a like and comment on this. Is this, a, is this an inappropriate joke? No, no, this is funny. Is this bad taste? This is funny. I'm not... I'm not... Okay, the joke is criticizing people who say things yes, like that. I'm not yes. actually saying that. You delusional psychopaths who listen to this. Also, I don't have anything against people who... Um, uh, uh, experience psychosis. I did not mean to make an ableist statement... <laughs> about those who experience psychosis i stand uh firmly with the psychosis community uh my ex-girlfriend is one of you guys oh my god and she's a upstanding individual <laughs> um yeah i don't like my ex-girlfriend guys i fucking <laughs> love piece of shit fuck her <laughs> anyways uh oh yeah i never plugged the voicemail line i'm gonna plug the voicemail line and then ask where our listeners can find you but yeah, you can leave voicemails on this podcast. Uh, the first time I plugged the voicemail line, for some reason, I don't know why, because I was 90% sure that I was reading in the right, off the right spot. I read my friend's personal phone number <laughs> and said it. <laughs> like, we cut it out of the podcast. But uh, the first time I plugged the voicemail line, I was like, yeah, you could reach us at... And I just said my friend's personal phone number. I was like, yeah, even if you hate the show, send us slurs. I don't care. <laughs> And my friend was like, what the hell? You just read my personal phone number out loud on the podcast. Thank God they were like one of the first people to listen to it. I'm oh, my God. surprised that nobody sent them hate. Oh, yeah. But our voicemail line is actually 608-218-4398. And it's in the description of every single episode in our channel and all that. Uh, go, go leave us a voicemail and we'll play it on the show no matter what you say. Yep. Uh, I I feel like I'm digging my own grave by saying no matter what you say. <laughs> I feel like we're going to get some... Uh, I, I feel like we're going to get some... Uh, the funny iDubs word. But I digress. Uh, where can our listeners find you? Felonious Fries. Um, I'm on... I'm on Twitter. I'm on Tumblr. I'm on Truth Social. All <laughs> at Felonious Ferris. Um, yeah, it's, it's every once in a while, I haven't really been active on any of them recently. I'll try to be, but yeah. I'm not super active on, well, I guess I'm kind of active on Twitter, but I really just like shitpost on there. Um, but you can find, just look up my main YouTube channel, Demigloom. There's a decent backlog of content, and by decent, I mean four videos. Um, but I'm going to be posting more things on there, and I've been saying that since the beginning of the show. I've been saying this for about six months. When was my last upload? 
Three months ago. Okay, three months ago was my last upload. Hey! But I promise you, more things are going to be on there. Um, perhaps I'll take topics that we've talked about on Middle School GSA and make actually make my takes, like, digestible, because I'm terrible at speaking without a script. Um, but yeah, Demigloom, just check that shit out, man. Follow me on, like, any app, Demigloom. I just re-downloaded Truth Social. You could, I'll probably, I might be active on there again. Maybe we'll make a podcast page. But what I really want you to do is listen to more Middle School GSA, uh, or listen to The Issue Crew, which is a podcast I do with a bunch of bad people. <laughs> uh, really bad people that I don't like. And it's really funny, because it's crazy, and we get mad. And I'm tired, and I'm gonna go to bed. So, bye. Bye-bye! I'm gonna have to cut out so much of this. <laughs> it's so fine. It was fine. You did good. Bye.